Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom and welcome. This is Ryan Cabrera with the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, and I am here in studio today uh, with Pastor Nick Plummer, back fresh from vacation and excited today to talk about the Torah portion, Toldot Generations. You know, this is an exciting uh, portion, Ryan, because once again, we've already established that you know we are the seed of Abraham uh, because of Christ. You know, Galatians talks about this. And so we're going to talk about that as well. But uh, Toldot Generations is Genesis chapter 25 and verse 19, all the way through chapter 28 and verse 9. And so here we are on a Tuesday uh, morning, going into afternoon, uh, getting ready for this portion that's coming up on Friday. Uh, currently, we're in the Torah portion of uh, Sarai, or Sarah. But we're going to look at Toldot Generations, and we're going to start off with some questions here and uh, just give you a basic overview of this Torah portion. So, so how old was Isaac when he married Rebekah? 40. He was 40 years old. So, hey, you might be a late bloomer out there and people giving you a hard time, but you know what? Think about it. Isaac was 40 years old when he finally married. And so uh, once that happened, uh, why, why did Isaac pray for his wife? Why? Uh, well, actually, he prayed for a long time for his wife, I would think, because she was barren. Just yeah, like she, his, so she was barren, just like Sarah. Just so like there, was Sarah. A, there was a situation there, uh, and she was barren. Uh, so so he, he prayed for her and, and he didn't really have any control over it. We know that God has control over the womb, but uh, he prayed for her. And so, and so I, uh, wonder, I wonder in the situation, because right, it's, it says that he was 60 when the children were born, which we'll find out later. But I wonder in this situation how uh, long he prayed. Did he pray all 20 years or did he finally get the message, oh, maybe I should pray, and then you know, she was, her womb was open? You know, not, not having children back then was a, was a big ordeal. You know? And so he couldn't carry on the family name and all these other things that the family would could actually die off. So you know that God is into multiplication. But So after Rebecca conceived, why did she inquire of the Lord? So Rebecca, of course, she inquired of the Lord because something was going on. Uh, the answer is the children struggled together in Genesis 25, 22. The children struggled together. There was something going on inside the womb, and, and let me assure you that it was not Taco Bell. Uh, there was something stirring in there, and uh, we even know of a reference of the womb uh, in Elizabeth where John the Baptist was in the womb. And uh, Mary had, of course, Yeshua in her womb. And uh, when Mary came near to Elizabeth's uh, womb, uh, you know, John the Baptist uh, started to move. You know, he was a, he was a holy roller in there. And so uh, we know that there's activity going on inside the womb. And so here we have the, the children uh, struggling together. And so, so the next question is, what did the Lord say to Rebecca about the two children who were in her womb? Because I'm sure she inquired of, hey, what's going on in my womb? And she's just inquiring of the Lord. This is what the Lord said to her. Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. So she knows that that first one that comes out is going to serve the second one that comes out. So the elder shall serve the younger. And this is what the Lord told Rebecca. So she processed this, I'm sure, uh, in her thoughts and in her mind and in, in, in you know, put that away and, and realize that, hey, the elder is going to serve the younger. Which I find is an interesting point that we should should emphasize here because God told Sarah this, right? God told Sarah. Rebecca. I meant Rebecca. Yeah, God told Rebecca. Absolutely. That, that the 
older would serve the younger. And so, so this she is, knows this. This is a prophecy that God is giving um, that we know comes to fruition, but, but we'll, we'll talk about And then, later. of course, the two children, the, the, the first one that comes out is Esau, who means hairy. Uh, he was born first. Uh, then Jacob, who his, his name means heel catcher or supplanter. He was born second. So Esau, his name means hairy, and he was born first. And then Jacob was born second. His name means heel catcher or supplanter. You know, um, so what did Jacob do to Esau before coming out of the womb? We read this in Genesis 25, 26. This is way before ultrasound, but this is right there in the Bible. <laughs> he took hold of Esau's heel. Imagine that picture, you know, kind of like the Nike picture, where, you know, just do it. Or, you know, the Air Jordan, he got the hand up in the air and the leg spread and just protecting his head here. He took hold of Esau's heel. And I believe that Jacob was protecting his head because there's a prophecy, even in Genesis 3.15, about enmity between the two seeds. It's between the uh, woman's seed and the Satan's seed. There's this enmity. There's a war going on. And so uh, I find it interesting that the prophecy is that the, the head of the enemy uh, would be crushed by the heel, and the heel would actually be bruised. Uh, and so we can see this uh, playing out even in the womb of Jacob and Esau. So once again... Isaac was 60 years old when the children were born, and um, that's, that's quite amazing that they get married and have to wait 20 years for children, so just do the math, you know, think about it. Do you really have faith? Are you patient? Can you wait? You know, we always want God to be early, but he's never late. Well, 20 it's, it's, years is a long time to wait for anything. It, it's an amazing thing with God, though. He, he, he doesn't have to be early, but he's never late. No, God is yeah, never late. Exactly right. Well, and he's always glorified. In the end. That's right. And so, you know, here, here we have the two boys, and how, how were they different from one another as they were growing up? Well, Esau was a cunning hunter and a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. Uh, this is found in Genesis 25, 27. And um, notice a man of the field. So the field would represent, of course, the world. Maybe Esau was a little more worldly, more into nature and all these other things, you know. And, and it actually says that um, Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And uh, the Jewish sages say that, that you know, uh, Jacob was one that would study the Torah with his father and, and learn and wisdom and grow. And so he was, uh, I would say he was a mama's boy. And uh, mama's boy usually works out pretty good. You know, even Joseph was a, was a mama's boy. So, you know, the thing is, there's definitely a distinction uh, between the, the two brothers. And uh, I love this question. This is a great question. So who was the first cook named in the Bible? Uh, Genesis 25, 29. Uh, it was Jacob, a man. Because he sawed pottage. You know, so men can be cooks. You know, my, my son Josiah, he, he's a great cook. Uh, he can cook really good, and he helps out with meals and stuff. And so, so Jacob, he sawed pottage in Genesis 25, 29. Uh, Jacob sawed pottage. So he, he was the first cook. And uh, there is some reference that he was preparing this dinner, this meal, on behalf of uh, the funeral and the burial, of course, of Abraham. Uh, the Jewish sages say this as well. So when Esau came from the field and was hungry, what did Jacob want in exchange for his soup in Genesis 25, 31? He says, sell me this day your birthright. So what is the birthright? You know, the birthright is actually uh, a recognition, you know, of preeminence that you would lead, that you would take the responsibility. And that's the thing we need to understand with a birthright. You know, you have to understand the birthright is the fact that this is, this is something that you're entitled to, to carry on the family name and to be responsible and to represent, um, you know, those, those 
parents or grandparents that you are to represent. And, and of course, in, in Genesis 25, 34, it says, Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So Esau came in really hungry and everything. He says, hey, you know what? I want some of that food. You know, venison, deer meat, whatever it was, you know, to that degree. Uh, I don't think soup is that good to give up the birthright. But he, but he despised his birthright. He would have rather just eaten and have beverages and, and, and food than to, to carry on and, and keep his birthright. So basically what he was saying is that, hey, listen, you know, I'm not willing to carry on the family name the way it should be. You know, I'll do my thing. I'm the elder. I'm the firstborn. I'll just sell my birthright. It's not a big deal. But it is a big deal because he, he despised his birthright. Well, and what's interesting is, is I think people listen to the story and they think it's too fantastic, right? Oh, he sold his birthright for, you know, uh, uh, for, for soup. But... You know, when we when we look at the story, it and we hear that he despised his birthright. Sometimes, you know, the firstborn doesn't want to be the firstborn, right? There's responsibility involved. Um, you know, there's there's uh, tasks that have to be handled, or things that have to be done, or 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 you have to represent yourself in a certain way. And so, um, it, you know, it's possible here that he says, you know, I'm about to die anyways. So, what difference does it make whether I have the birthright or not? You know, and so he's careless yeah. and reckless. Oh yeah, with it. Right, and I think it's a, it's to show not so much the the soup. We get caught up in these little details, uh, but more so that he was careless and reckless with with the birthright, and that you know it was never meant for him in the first place. Right, we know from the story earlier that that it was never meant for him. In the Absolutely, first place. it's just like in the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement. You know, where is this movement heading? Where is it going? How are we building bridges? How are we building the kingdom? How are we expanding? Uh, to reach out even to, to the Orthodox Jews and have relationships and, and all these possibilities that we have. You know, in Malachi chapter 1, verse 2, it says, I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Now, this is a very important verse. You know, hate seems like a strong word, but, you know, it could, it could mean disappointment. You know, that I think God was disappointed in Esau that he would not be willing to carry on the responsibilities of the family name. And so it, it even goes back to even say, even in, in, in the book of Romans with Paul, he references this as well, the distinction between the two classes of people, those that would do and those that would not do, uh, in Romans 9, verses 11 through 13. So this is not just an Old Testament situation. This is being played out right now. And it's a contrast between obedience and, of course, disobedience. And then right away, uh, we go into uh, a famine. There was a famine in the land during the time of Isaac in Genesis 26.1. And um, so this famine hits. And so what did God tell Isaac to do about Egypt? What did he do? He said, go not down into Egypt. So Which Isaac was in contrast to, to everyone else, right? That's right. right. Abraham had promise. to go to Egypt. Uh, Jacob had to go to Egypt. Yeshua had to go Even to Yeshua, Egypt. Yeshua, Jesus had to yep. go down to Egypt. So, but he was the promise. He, he told him distinctly, go not down into Egypt. A, a strict command there. Uh, now, did Isaac get the same blessing that was promised to his father Abraham? Absolutely. Yes, he did. You know, this is where, you know, for those of you that are listening and, and you're in Christ, you're in Yeshua, Galatians 3.29 makes it very, very clear. Uh, and if you be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So once again, uh, if you be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So if, if you be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. I can't repeat this enough. I can't stress this enough. And so, like I said, basically what's happening is there's this responsibility, you know, uh, 
and this, this promise was given to Isaac, and it's given to, throughout the, the seed of Abraham to us today. And so, I, actually, you know, you'll see where Isaac had to dwell in Gerar, and, and he has a situation after receiving this blessing and being, this was reiterated to him about the blessing. Um, what lie did Isaac tell other men about Rebekah? You know, he said, she is my sister. Now, yep. we see this played out before. Lying runs in the house of Israel. There's lying. Uh, Abraham did this twice. He did this in Genesis 12, 13, uh, and in Genesis 20, verse 5. And even Abimelech was even mentioned at that point. Abimelech could also mean not just a name, but a title or, or a ruler, like a pharaoh or an Abimelech. Um, we don't believe it's the same person, but the bottom line is that this thing played out, and, and Isaac played along. And so after... Abimelech confronted Isaac about Rebekah being his wife. What was Isaac's response? See, it, it, it would be a response, I think, for any man, because I said, lest I die for her. Yeah, he was fearful. So if I'm her brother, life. you know, they're going to let me live because they're not going to have to take me out of the picture because that's my sister. They can just take my sister. But it's interesting how this all played out. And it's a culture thing. So imagine the dangers that were all around. Uh, Abraham and Isaac at that point, the Canaanites, the Heatites, the he all these ites are in the land. Well, it's interesting and now you're how roaming around. it's interesting how the promise is given to uh, to Isaac, and then immediately after that, he receives resistance from the enemy. And it, and it reminds me of a verse in First Corinthians chapter sixteen, verse nine. It says, "For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries." Many adversaries, meaning when God opens up a door and says, "This is the path that I want you to take," the enemy makes a beeline for you, and he's and in this case is making a beeline for for Isaac and is bringing things to throw him off to the left and to the right of what God has called him to do and in his mission. And so it's interesting how the enemy is yeah. always right there when God opens up a door of opportunity for you. He's right there to try to knock you oh, out. Oh yeah, and like I said, you know, we, that's that's a major 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 point to be made. But the thing is, you know, when Isaac sowed in the land in the same year, what was his return? A hundredfold. A hundredfold. You know, you have to believe, you know, I love the word of faith movement to the point of what they believe for and their faith, you know, and, and speaking things into existence, you know, and watching their words and you know, faith, faith without works is dead, and, and speaking your faith, you know, because without faith it's impossible to please God. And so I was actually uh, at a time in a Word of Faith church, and God really increased my faith and filled me with His Holy Spirit. And so it was a great time, an awesome time for me. And I wanted to share that because even, even in the parable of the sower, uh, it's explained in Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 through 23. And what I want to say to you is that if God's Word does take root, there is a chance of a 30, 60, 100-fold. I always pray for a 100-fold return. So once again, Amen. once God's Word gets into your life, the fruit that comes from your life can be 30, 60, or 100-fold. And let me tell you something. With that kind of fruit, you can share this with others. You know, uh, and, and once you get into the Word, let the Word get into you. you know? And that's why it's important that we understand why we're doing what we're doing. So, so once again, a hundredfold that year. Now we see Isaac's shortcomings and, and lying and saying his wife with his sister and different things. And we all, we all stumble. We all have weaknesses and faults. But God's still going to use us. He's going to use us as we, as we work out our salvation. And here's another great question in Genesis 26, verses 13 and 14. Did Isaac grow and have great possessions and servants? Yes. Yes. Abraham was very wealthy. Isaac was very wealthy. You're going to find out that even Jacob had wealth. Okay? So there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with having wealth and being successful. But guess what happens? Let me tell you what happens. The haters. Even, even in ministry, even in ministry, once you get rolling, 
and you start bearing fruit in God's hands on you, you're blessed. Well, who envied Isaac's wealth and success? The Philistines. The Philistines. Genesis 26, 14. Here comes jealousy. And boy, here, are they still around, man. And here comes jealousy. <laughs> Jealousy's coming, right? And uh, what do they call it? The green-eyed monster? But, uh, you know, you have to appreciate what God has given you. And that's, that's really the, the example, the definition of jealousy is not appreciating what you have within yourself uh, and looking at others and what they have. Uh, that's simple jealousy. We are not to covet yeah. other people's things. That's actually a commandment. You know, you'll be driving along, you'll see somebody in a better vehicle, yeah. or you'll see somebody in a better house. Right. And so you should say, hey, you know, praise God for that, you know, and, and really appreciate uh, all that you have. I know my wife and I and my kids and, and everything, we are very grateful for where we're at, what we have at this time. And I think culturally for us, it's, it's a little bit foreign to take the actions that, say, the Philistines took against Isaac. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, we, I don't think that in our heads we see somebody and we're, we, we covet, you know, in our heart or in our mind, but we don't necessarily always take action on it. Uh, whereas here in this culture, um, you know, why was Isaac afraid or why was Abraham afraid for their lives? Because obviously some experience in their life had given them a reason to fear for their life in those situations. Or in this case, to, you know, to know that people would take adverse actions against them out of jealousy or out of spite. Or and, you know, I find it very interesting as we move in these last days. It's not like you can call 911. No, right? but, but the thing <laughs> is, you know, you know, what did the Philistines do to all the wells that Abraham's servants had dug in the past? They stopped them and filled them with earth. Now Talk imagine that. Cutting your nose they off did, to spite they your They did face. this out of spite. Yeah. And, and nobody benefits and both parties lose. That's right. So, you know, water is a source of life. And why would you fill up a well where nobody can drink the water? You know, I mean, that's a, that's a, source, a, source, a source, source of life. That's really above and beyond. That is like off the charts. And I think even in, in the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement, and as we're seeing Ephraim or the nations coming back into Torah, coming back into the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of accusations being thrown at those people that, that are non-Jews, that are grafted in as wild branches. And we're taking the hits and the accusations and things because they're trying, they're trying to throw us off track because I believe it, it could be some jealousy involved in that. You know, especially if you're a successful ministry or you've made a legitimate name for yourself in the community and you've built relationships and built bridges throughout these years like Beit Tehillah has, uh, we can rest assured that we're going to, we're going to uh, have to, of course, deal with people. And that, that goes into, uh, you know, some different things, even with Abimelech. You know, why did Abimelech want Isaac to depart from him? Because Isaac was mightier than him. So there was a distinction between Abimelech and Isaac, a clear distinction that Isaac was blessed, he had many possessions, the hand of God was upon him, and Abimelech felt threatened by that. Which is a foreshadow you know, of Pharaoh. That's right. So what yeah. happens is this, though. This is where we have to go back on the path. You get knocked off the ancient path, you get knocked off course, and you get back on course. It's kind of like GPS, you know. So what did Isaac do to the wells that his father Abraham had dug? He digged the wells again. Ryan, we are going back to the wells of Abraham, just like Isaac. Amen. We're not going back to something new, something, you know, uh, uh, you know, that's different, you know, we're actually, there's nothing new under the sun. We're, we're, we are digging wells again. We're going back to the same wells. And the Torah is like a well, and it, it, just the resources of, of a well. Well, and think all, of the symbolism behind it. a well, right? I mean, a spring of water coming up, living water, giving life, giving, um, you know, the ability to have prosperity uh, in an area, to, to give life to an area. I mean, it, there's a lot to the wells, and these are not just any wells. These are the wells that Abraham dug. 
Um, we watched that Olive Beta video last night, and that, that, the main point that I got out of it was that Isaac was protecting the legacy of Abraham yeah. by going back and redigging these wells and, and saying, you know what, Th- these are meant to be here. This is the, the, the legacy of my father. And really, it's our legacy at the end of the day. We are the seed of Abraham, and what are we doing? Are we doing the works of Abraham? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. If we are the seed of Abraham, because that's what Yeshua says, right? He oh, says, yeah. if, you're, if you're the son of Abraham, do the works of Abraham, right? then you'll be doing the works of Abraham. You know, it, it says that he digged the wells again. And then if you go into Genesis 26, 23, just a few verses after 26, 18 of, of digging those wells again, um, it, it's interesting. Where was Isaac when the Lord appeared to him and told him that he would bless him and multiply his seed? Beersheba, the well of the oath. So he, he reiterates this at a well. Yeah. He says, you've, 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 you've dug the wells again. You've got a water source and for all to drink. And now at Beersheba, which means well of the oath, he reiterates the blessing. Yep. That, hey, you're on the right path. You're doing the right thing. And, of course, this goes into Isaac makes a covenant with Abimelech. Right, before we get there, verse 24, And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And so it's just interesting that the promise is to multiply the seed. And oh, we're yeah. the result of that. Anyways, we no, keep no, going. It, 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 the thing I want to share with you is that, you know, as far as strangers go and the public sector of life and, and everything that entails people, we, we shouldn't be intimidated by people or the public sector of life. Because, you know, Isaac is going to make a covenant with Abimelech. You know, they don't have the same belief system. Abimelech's not in covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of course. Obviously. But uh, so, so how many people went to make a covenant with Isaac and who were they? Genesis 26, 26. Well, three. Abimelech, Ahuzath, and Phicol, the chief captain of the army. Now, if you go back and look at Abraham, Abraham made an agreement with Abimelech he did. in Genesis 21:32. So see, I believe that we can make agreements with people and make, you know, some 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 deals with people to get along and to have an understanding that everything's on the, and we need to be honest, you know, um, and so why did the men want to make a covenant with Isaac? Uh, that's a great question. Because the Lord was with Isaac and he was blessed. Right. And they, and they, they can feared, see right? it, so they're drawn to it. They're drawn to success. You know, they call this, there's an expression, somebody wants to ride your coattails. Yeah. You know, now there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. If you have the right motives, we all want to ride somebody's coattails because life's about who you know. If somebody knows somebody else, they can bring you along to meet that person. So yeah. I think in, 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 the, in, the, in all due respect that it's a good thing. But once again, you know, uh, did both parties put the covenant into place? And how was it done? Yes, they did, and they swear to each other. So, you know, I also um, think part of the, the motivation for Abimelech uh, was was fear as well, right? It's because it mentioned that you know he kept trying to push Isaac off, and everywhere Isaac went, he would dig a new well, and they would come and they'd fill it, and finally they let him go, um, you know, with with his the final well there, and um, and I, I just I feel like out of fear because he was so blessed by the Lord, and he knew that the Lord was with him, that he wanted to align himself with him out of self-preservation. Which is a good point. So, yeah. so we, we have to learn how to interact with others. I love in Romans, uh, in Romans 12, 18, Paul says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. If it be possible. Yeah. Sometimes it's not possible, but that's just something to think about. Now, so here, think about all this, though. So, so after making his covenant with the three men, Isaac's servants came in and told him some good news. What was it? They digged a well and they found water. 
Struck gold, Think about baby. this. So you're, you're, you're dealing with others. You're making agreements. You're in the covenant. You're in the promise. And you're moving forward in life, okay, yeah. and interacting with others. But you're in covenant with God, and he blesses you, and he gives you water. That's incredible. Yeah. Now, uh, we're going to look at the, the, the children now. We're going to look at Esau. Because how old was Esau when he married the two Heatite women? And what were their names? He was, he was 40. Here we have unequally yoked. She, she, he was 40 years old. He married Judith, daughter of Beri the Heatite, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon the Heatite. Once again, in 2 Corinthians 6.14, it talks about not being uh, unequally yoked. And so here we have a situation where you know that um, Esau is marrying Heatite women, and uh, they're not in covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so, you know, and, and, and why is this so disappointing? Because we can read in Genesis 26.35, Isaac and Rebekah were grieved because of this. Absolutely, yeah. They, they were really grieved over this situation. And uh, this is just something that, that Esau did. And so sometimes, you know, when we have our children, they're going to make decisions and everything. We've got to just believe for God's grace and mercy, but we also want to try to help them to make good decisions. But sometimes I, our children are going to make decisions, and they're not going to come out really good. Uh, but definitely when it comes to marriage, we want to make that an important thing. Uh, as we continue in this Torah portion. There's some incredible things that are going to be happening here. The next one is Jacob gets the blessing. And uh, just to, to lay it out for you just a little bit here. So um, Isaac tells Esau, hey, listen, you know, I want to give you a blessing before I die. Why don't you go out, hunt some game, and bring it back and prepare it like you normally do? I would love that. Once you do that for me, I am going to give you the blessing because I want to give you this blessing before I die because I know I'm going to die, and I want to give you this blessing. So, Which is the covenant the mother, meal, right? So Re- covenant, yeah, right? But Rebecca overhears this, oh, yeah. and she's like, oh, game on. I can't let Esau have the blessing because Jacob's supposed to get it. Well, and she has insider info, right? That's, she, she has, has insider she has So insider she's going to try to make something happen. Yeah. And so what happens is she talks Jacob into going and getting two goats and, of course, preparing it and looking at it. And then we're going to um, see the, this mistake because she's going to try to make something happen because she knows something. Uh, this, was, this was her plan uh, to give Jacob the blessing. And, of course, they kill the two goats. And uh, what did Rebecca put on Jacob's hands and neck? He put... He put the skins of the goats on his arms because Esau's hairy. It's a hairy dude. And he's probably a smooth guy. I think know? all of us have met people that are pretty hairy. This but, guy was really But here hairy. it is. But here it goes. It's going into action now. So did Jacob succeed in fooling his father yes. that he was Esau, his firstborn son? The answer is yes. But Jacob lied with the help of his mother. Abraham lied. Isaac lied. Jacob lied. Rebecca. So we can see this, this, this pattern of lying even in our culture today. Yeah which really doesn't pay off. You have to tell a lie for another lie for another lie when all you have to do is simply tell the truth. Now, here's the blessing that we need to look at. And this is, of course, a very powerful, powerful blessing. It says, Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren. Let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. He's just reiterating the, the, the Abrahamic covenant is what he's doing. Genesis 12, 3, he, he says you're going to be blessed, and nations are going to bow down to thee, and, and, and you know I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. He's just simply reiterating the Abrahamic covenant, and, and God will do the same for us. you know. And so when Esau was told that the blessing had been given to Jacob, what was his reaction? Obviously, he cried. He cried, cried with a great and exceedingly like ugly bitter cried. cry. He ugly a cried. bitter cry. He yeah. wept bitterly. Remember yeah. when, when Paul 
or no, it was not Paul, but Peter, you know, he wept bitterly when he denied the Lord. Uh, and of course, he repented, but there, there's another example of weeping uh, bitterly, uh, uh, bitter weeping. And so uh, Esau's like, is there a blessing for me, Father? Is there a blessing for me? What do I get? And this is very interesting. In Genesis 27, verses 39 and 40, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above, and by the sword shalt thou live and shalt serve the brother. And it shall come to pass when thou shalt have the dominion that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck mm. and become independent, be the Edomites, you know, and we'll see this played out later. Which he obviously didn't like that. He obviously didn't like that blessing. <laughs> but we see the sword today oh, right. as a symbol among Islam. You know, we see a sword on a flag. And so we see this sword Absolutely. being played out, and it's not a good thing. It means war. And we know the prophecy with Ishmael, everyone's hand will be against him and, 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 and so forth, you know, and so his hand against everyone as well. Um, so Esau hated Jacob because he stole his blessing. And so what was his plan of revenge? What was Esau going to do? He was going to kill his brother. Oh, he says when, when father dies, he's going to kill Jacob. Oh, yeah. So he, he withstood that. That's premeditated. Well, I find now, that what happened? The mother hears this as well. Yeah, absolutely. What a good mother. She, she does. She can't get nothing by her, you know. She does. But, you know, we look at the parallels between Abraham and Isaac in, in the fact that um, Abraham takes matters into his own hands and we birth an Ishmael. Right. right. Well, in the same way, uh, God had already promised uh, uh, Rebecca that Isaac was going to be the greater brother. That's and right. That, and that the younger was going to serve the older. Or, I'm sorry, that the older was going to serve the younger. Right. So this promise... It's true whether they were to take action on it or not. And so we know that in the end, God's word That's right. is still true That's and that right. he was glorified in the situation. Absolutely. However, they ended up birthing the hatred right. of Esau and in this situation. They ended up creating this hatred that didn't have to be there, right? Because God would have worked it out, but they took matters into their own hand because they didn't have the faith to trust that God was going to do it, right? On, That's right. on their own. I mean, it's just like the restoration, the regathering of the whole house of Israel, made up of Jews and non-Jews. God's got a plan, and, and I think that we should be interested in that. Because, you know, so when Rebecca, Jacob's mother, heard what Esau was going to do to her son, what was her response? Better get out of town, boy. Genesis 27, <laughs> verses 42 through 45, she told Jacob and instructed him to go to her brother Laban in Haran until Esau's anger subsided. She would then have him back. Wow. You know, this is a very interesting thing because... Now, what is the reason that Rebecca told Isaac Jacob should go to her brother? To find a wife. That told Esau that Isaac should go. It was to find a wife. They were trying to right. cover, saying like, oh, you right. know, Isaac's going to get out of here. I'm sorry, Jacob's going to get out of here and go find a wife. Yeah. And so they're telling Esau. They're telling that, Esau he's yeah. going to go and he's going to find a wife because they don't want Esau to kill Jacob. Right. Boy, that's some sibling rivalry. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to go there, but I know it's getting late. But anyway, so so did they, Isaac pass on to Jacob the Abrahamic blessing before sending him to put on Aram? Yes, he did. He yeah. gave him a blessing. You know, just a little reminder here, um, just a little reminder that, you know, Jacob would never see his mother again after this. Very interesting. And, and so in, in conclusion of this Torah portion, in Genesis 28.9, when Esau found out that Isaac had sent Jacob to his uncle's house to find a wife, what did he do in return? So now we're having this, this competition. Yeah. So he's going to go off, Jacob, to go find a wife among the relatives up there or whatever. And all of a sudden now Esau is like, I need the favor of my parents. What right. can I do? Well, it says he, he went to Ishmael, Esau, and took unto the wives, which he had Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, and the sister of Nebajoth, 
to be his wife. Once again, unequally yoked. Yeah. He marries into the Ishmaelites. Well, and, and then, then the Heatites. And then, you know, it says here yoked, that he becomes 6, the Edomites, right? And there's a reference in here that Edom meaning red, that, that Esau becomes the Edomites, and the Edomites and the Ishmaelites are kind of in cahoots. And, and later on, we see them in the next Torah portion, or the, I guess, two Torah portions from now. But, uh, you know, Esau knows, because he's been around all this time, that Abraham had sent Isaac over to this family to get a wife. And so he's thinking, well, maybe if I go get a family member, a wife of a family member, then I'll receive favor. But he's doing these things out of his own strength. And it's not, it's not right. having the effect that it would if God was, was giving him. So even though the, the, young, or the older is going to serve the younger, if he were to have been in the will of God and receiving God's will for his life and walking that out, he would have been much more blessed than he could ever be trying to usurp his brother all of this time, because that's what happens, right? He feels like he was wronged, and rightfully so at this point. In the flesh, right, in the worldly system, he was definitely wrong. We can look at it and see, look, he, he was taken advantage of, got his birthright taken. Then he was taken advantage of while he was gone, trying to perform something for his father in order to receive his blessing, and it was stolen from him, right, the, the blessing. So now he's angry, right? Yes, but, he lost and, the birthright and the blessing. bad things happen to us when we become bitter. Yeah. We can become bitter. Absolutely. Or we can trust God, right? We could submit to his will, and then God will bless us because of our faith. And, you know, if, if vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, is, is what God says about vengeance, right? So either we could take matters into our own hands, or we can allow God to do it. So once again, there is a contrast in the days in which we live. Are you obedient or are you disobedient? Do you serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Are you in Christ? Then you are Abraham's seed then do the works of Abraham. You know, we are justified by the finished work of the cross, but now we're being sanctified and we're being set apart. And so Amen. once again, this is, this, is, this is your choice. This is a choice that you have to make. And we are living in exciting times. Amen. So folks, you heard it here. Uh, Toldot Generations, uh, that's Genesis 25, 19 through 28, 9. Uh, you can go to our website at topraise.net and you can find uh, the Torah portions there uh, so that you can read them ahead of time before listening to the podcast. And then uh, we hope that you're blessed. We hope that you're blessed by this podcast. Uh, and we're praying for you. We're praying for our listeners. If you guys need anything, you can contact us at info at That's our email address. You can use the Contact Us tab uh, on our website. Uh, or you can call uh, the office at 813-654-2222. Uh, shalom and be blessed.